In this week's parashah, in the very beginning, we read how Yitzhak Avinu at the age of 40 gets married to Rivka, the daughter of Betuel, the sister of Lavan, as the pasuk brings down in the very beginning of the parashah. The pasuk stands out when it states, V'yitar Yitzhak l'adonai l'enoch ki akarahi adonai rivka ishto. The Pasukira basically saying how Yitzhak Avinu prayed on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and Hashem responded, lo ishto. Hashem responded to him. Rashi points out two factors, the importance of which are hinted at a very simple reading of the text. First of all, the verb used in this case, Vayetar, is peculiar. It hardly appears anywhere in the Torah, and its use in this context, so to speak, bothers Rashi. He explains that the term indicates an overabundance of prayer. The prayer was not as it seems in the Pasuk, where it appears to have taken a fleeting moment and was then answered. Rather, the tefillah, the prayer, was long and elaborate. If we examine the surrounding Pesukim, I think we have a good support for this idea. Why am I saying this? Because we are told that Yitzhak was married at the age of 40. And six Pesukim later, we are told that he was already 60 years old when the children were born. Those six Pesukim, which we read in, what, 20, 30 seconds? It depends on which minyan you pray at. But those six Pesukim, which we read in such a short time, took 20 years. And the message the Torah is giving us is that the main thing that happened during that time was tefillah, tefillah, tefillah. This idea is expressed or echoed by the famous Gemara, Masechet Berachot, where the Gemara brings down, The son of Rabbi Hanina said, if a person who prayed and saw that he was not answered, he should pray again. As it states in Sefer Tehillim, hope in the Lord Strengthen yourself, let your heart take courage, and hope in the Lord. Meaning, it says twice, It speaks about prayers twice, meaning, don't turn away and not return to pray. Actually, repeat the tefillah, say it over again. The second element, let's go back to the narrative, the second element that Ashi notes is that Torah says that Yitzhak was answered. Remember the pasuk, Rashi explains that despite the fact that both of them were praying, Hashem answered Yitzhak's prayer due to the fact that he is a Sadiq ben Sadiq. In Rashi's words, She'en dome tefilat Sadiq ben Rasha, the tefilat Sadiq ben Sadiq, lefikach lo velola. Meaning, the reason why Hashem specifically responded to him is because he was a son of a righteous man. He was the son of Abraham Avinu. And she, despite the fact that she was a righteous woman, she was a sadiket, she was the daughter of Betuel. Betuel was not under the category of a tzaddik, rather the opposite. While this seems to be a great compliment to Yitzhak Rabotai, if you think about it, 
it leaves us with a strange feeling. And this is something that comes up over the years that some of our students come up and ask, you know, people are inquiring, what is this Rashi coming to teach us? Is it really true that Hashem is more interested in and therefore is more likely to answer the tefilot of a son of a tzaddik than those of less uh, uh, pedigree? The Torah Temima, in his commentary on the Pirasha, points to a very interesting debate amongst the poskim on this issue. The Maharshal, who was a great sage in the 16th century, Rabbi Shilamo Luria, felt that this was enough of a reason to limit our choice of a shaliyah sibur for any standard tefillah. He writes that one should make sure to choose an individual who is not only exemplary in his own right, but a bet Knesset, the knis, needs to investigate the worthiness of his fathers as well. On the other hand, the Taz, Rabbi David Halevi Sega, who lived in the 17th century, writes that an individual should be judged on his own merit, and one's tefillah should be the only factor looked into. While it seems that Torah Temima is more sympathetic to the position of the Taz, he is bothered by the lack of source material standing behind the position of Rabbi David Halevi Sega of the Taz, and offers the following story as a possible support for his position. The Gemara Masechet Tanit reports, whoever's learning, by the way, in the Bet Knesset, Masechet Tanit knows this Gemara because we just finished it. It's in the third chapter of Masechet Tanit. The Gemara in Tanit reports that once during a tefillah gathering during a drought, Rabbi Eliezer served as the Shaliyah Tzibur, and they were not answered. However, when Rabbi Akiva made an attempt, they were answered. The crowd began to start rumors and talk between each other that clearly Rabbi Akiva was a greater man than Rabbi Eliezer, until a voice was heard, a heavenly voice, and declared that it was not due to Rabbi Akiva's elevated status that merited his being listened to, but rather it was due to the fact that Rabbi Akiva was a very, very humble man and would always submit to those around him. We see from here that his tefillot were answered because of his exemplary personality traits and that there is more to tefillah than just lineage. On this point, I'd like to make two observations. Firstly, this could explain why we open each and every one of our Amidah with the Beracha of Avot. At first glance, it seems to be a very peculiar introduction to tefillah. What is the relevance of the origins of Jewish people to my present day prayers? Right now, I'm the one who's standing. I'm the one who's standing before Hashem and praying to Hashem. Possibly, we may be trying to present our credentials in order to enhance the chances of the acceptance of tefillah. Of course, this as well should not be seen as some sort of magic solution to a very serious challenge. We do not simply approach Hashem as a spoiled aristocrat's child demanding special treatment because of who we are, regardless of how we are. Our invoking the merit of our abot must also be seen as a statement of commitment on our part. Think about how we begin the bracha. Elokenu veloke avotenu. We address Hashem as our God and the God of our forefathers. The statement only has value because we address them as what? As ours in the same way of Abraham and Tzachar Yaakov. In addition, um, and I heard this before and it's a very nice idea, I think that the lineage may actually be a hindrance to proper tefillah in certain cases. One of the dilemmas that we are faced with institutionalized tefillah 
is the rote nature of it. The lack of feeling, the lack of connection. The tzaddik who grows up in the home of a tzaddik supposedly grows up with a regular tefillah experience sometimes. Meaning you see the same thing going on for many years and this solid education is important in developing a person's ability to pray, understanding the prayers, the pronunciation. But at the same time, and we see this, and we all struggle with this sometimes, at the same time it poses a threat to those abilities. What do I mean by that? If every single tefillah is identical in the way how I'm praying, and I'm not thinking before, and I'm not thinking in the words that I'm saying, and I don't infuse passion and relevance to everyday experience, then there's something wrong over here. It's precisely here that the tzaddik who did not share the same experience growing up may be at an advantage. It could be that he feels a certain excitement, a new conversation with Hashem every time he prays. But if the tzaddik who grows up in the home of a tzaddik is able to not only use all the different developing ideas that he saw in his house and grew up with understanding the tefillah and his tefillot are not identical and he continues to strive and work and infuse passion and relevance to his tefillah, then that person is on a very, very high level. And this is perhaps what Ashi is saying, that the tzaddik ben tzaddik, who has a certain challenge in his tefillot, because he grew up in a house of a tzaddik and reached new heights which are compound to his fathers and in addition to his fathers, is able to reach a very high level in his tefillot. With that, Rabotai, may it be that we all think about infusing in our tefillot, thinking about ideas, how can we be inspired, how can we approach tefillah with a fresh and serious attitude. Maybe taking one beracha at a time and having a new kavana. How do I understand the beracha Magen Avraham? How do I understand the beracha Mehaya Metim? Perhaps I could pause before I read the next section and think about what I'm reading. Perhaps with these thoughts, we could actually transform our prayers and it could be like the level of a tzaddik, ben tzaddik, to its fullest. Shabbat Shalom.